Thank you so much. This is so touching and special. I shall keep this forever. So good. Pete's got one of these. My friend Pete Gray's got one of these that he got, but it hasn't got the logo. <laughs> it's so good, man. So good. It's like so much better than his. Uh, brilliant. <laughs> Thank you. Well, Listen, it is a real pleasure to be with you this morning, and uh, thank you for having me, and it's uh, great to get to know Sam. I represent 24-7 Prayer as a, uh, as a movement. I'm their international prayer director, so my job really is to travel around the world and to uh, put my stopwatch on so that I don't talk for too long. There you go. And yeah, so really, I'm responsible for a movement that, that has grown from a single prayer room in a church in England where my friend Pete was incredibly inspired by uh, Count Ludwig von Zinzendorf, who was a German count, and he started a 100-year prayer meeting. And from that 100-year prayer meeting was born the great Moravian mission movement. The Moravians went all around the world sharing Jesus in multiple places from, you know, Brazil to Sweden and, and everywhere in between. Uh, and there was just an amazing move of God. They, they, their, their faith really deeply impacted Wesley and the beginnings of the Methodist church and uh, amazing people. So Pete went to Hernhut. He realized they'd been praying for a hundred years and thought, could we pray for a week? Could we dedicate a room in our, in our church, uh, set it aside and pray night and day for 24-7? Hence the name. And so people signed up for an hour and, you know, they went to the room. There was all kind of creative stuff on the walls, all that kind of thing. And people just got involved in praying and it, it went really well. This one room went on for three months. And then we were at a conference in uh, Southampton called Cultural Shift, which was uh, interesting. In, the 19, in 1999, I didn't have gray hair then. And uh, in 1999, it was... Pete stood up and said, listen, does anyone else want to do a week of 24-7 prayer? Let's see if we can do a year. And I, I was a church leader at the time, so I said, yeah, we'll do it. We will do a week. And a whole load of other people said they will do a week. And it, we used to say this, right? It was like a virus that spread, but you can't say that anymore. <laughs> Although I have just said it. Okay, it went, it went viral before things went viral. And before we knew it, we had a week. Uh, 52 churches in the United Kingdom said this, that we're going to do a week of nonstop prayer. It moved to Switzerland. And before you know it, we were getting, and they did a, a year of nonstop night and day prayer. And then we were getting all sorts of emails. This guy said, hey, we're at a brewery in Missouri. Do you mind if we do a week of prayer in our brewery? And then there was another guy that was like, we're on a battleship in Kuwait. We've set up a prayer room on the battleship. Is, is that okay? And we're like, yeah, that's fine. Pray anywhere. And we just started to see prayer growing all around the world. Before you knew it, we were getting emails from everywhere. And uh, so the last 25 years, we've seen this real journey of 24-7 prayer growing and growing and growing. I just want to say this, that the, the hinge of history is the bended knee. The hinge of history is the bended knee. That wherever we have seen transformation or change around the world, it has been through a praying church. A guy called Arthur Wallace once said, every great revival is born out of prayer. Every great revival is sustained by prayer. And every great revival brings forth more prayer. So wherever we see a move of God in, in any nation around the world, wherever you see someone come to know Jesus, wherever you see a radical outbreak and an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, can I just say someone was praying. Someone was praying. 
And 25 years ago, the only place you could go to see night and day prayer was South Korea. Paul Yonggi Cho and his prayer mountain was the only place. And now we're seeing the church all around the world praying night and day. And, you know, as we read in Revelation, it's like the night and day. It's like the incense arising to heaven. Our prayers are like incense that arise. And so we've created this environment, these prayer rooms, whereby people can go and pray and learn how to pray. I don't know about you, but a lot of us sometimes think prayer's boring, prayer's challenging. Uh, I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't pray enough. Listen, I'm the international director of 24-7 prayer, and I don't pray enough. Okay? You're never going to pray enough, but I pray more than I used to. Okay, so it's a journey, and, and as, as, as you rightly said, Jen, that, that the, the primary expression of God towards you is a smile. So when you think about praying, you're coming towards a smiling God who's keen to listen. And, that, and your prayer life, and here's the challenge as well, we're so kind of caught up sometimes in the language of prayer that prayer is basically a conversation between you and God. Just you using your words, your normal everyday words to speak to and bless him and speak to him and listen to him. It's an amazing thing. And so we've seen this grow. We have prayer rooms in schools. In England, we see, we've seen a million young people go through prayer spaces in schools. Uh, we, have prayer, we, we have prayer rooms in, in countries you shouldn't have prayer rooms. We've had prayer rooms in Iran. In Lebanon, in you know, all sorts, all over the world. And this year alone, we've had, or last year, sorry, which were February, but I was going to like well exaggerate the statistics then. We've had, uh, we, last year, we had 1,744 prayer rooms in over 77 nations around the world, all from one single prayer room. And so I'm encouraged because I think that the, the, the church is growing. And so our, my responsibility then is we have national offices in, we had national offices in 19 countries. From, we actually from Iran, South Africa, Malaysia, Peru, lots of different places. And we started to notice that on our like prayer sign up, we do a little app called Lectio 365, it's a little prayer app. And we noticed that loads of people in New Zealand were accessing this. So we just started to pray. We're not like, hey, stick a pin in the flag. You know, we're not like, let's go make it happen. We, we, I think the words and the phrase that I would use is that we surf the wave. We don't make the wave. Okay? So we, God is doing something. We surf that. I have no idea about surfing, but I'm sure some of you know way more than me. We surf the wave. We don't make the wave. And so there's this wave of prayer happening. And we've noticed here in, in New Zealand, and we were like, we started to pray, and then we felt that we talked to a few people, talked to a friend of mine, Mark Sayers, in Australia, and he was like, we know some guys in New Zealand, let's just keep praying. We talked to some other guys, and they said, hey, we found this guy, we think he'd be great, he's called Sam, he'd be, it'd be fantastic for him to help with 24-7 prayer New Zealand. And so we were like, okay, let's go. And I've had loads of Zooms with Sam, loads of meetings with him online. And we were just prayerfully talking with loads of other guys. And we thought, he's the man to help us with 24-7 prayer New Zealand. And by default, you become the church to help us with 24-7 prayer in New Zealand. But no pressure, because we surf the wave, we don't make the wave. God's doing something, we just get on it. We just get on it and flow with it. And so we, we spent a long time talking and praying. And then this week I've come out to meet Sam and hang out and get to know him. And we've just come to really make sure that we get 24-7 prayer in New Zealand firmly established. And then he got COVID. <laughs> but hey, we still, we've still been able to talk and all of that. So I just want to thank you for releasing Sam to 24-7 prayer in New Zealand. And I just, I'm so encouraged to be here and I'm excited about what God is going to do in your land. And I'm 
really touched about this. It will help me to pray for you more and more. So we're just, we are really, really happy for what's happening. And that's a little picture of 24-7 prayer. Check out the website, the New Zealand one or the international one. Check out the app, Lectio 365. But I'm not here to do announcements. As you can see, I'm bad at announcements. But, uh, and by the way, come tonight because it will be good. And we will pray. And we'll pray creatively. And we'll pray, pray for this town. And we'll pray for this nation. So it's going to be an exciting time. So that's the intro, letting you know a little bit about 24-7 prayer. And uh, I need to tell you a story. Uh, I, because of my job, I get to travel loads, right? So I'm, I'm, by the way, just to take any of the tension in the room out here, I'm not English. I'm Irish, okay? Thank you, just for let you know. Uh, not that we don't like the English, but our rugby team's better than their rugby team by far. Uh, but anyway, and so I'm, I'm an Irishman, but I've lived in England a long time, and I've got an English accent, and that's just the way it is. Sometimes things go wrong. And... Uh, <laughs> uh, so I get to travel absolutely loads with my job, and it's really exciting. I love to do it. And I, had, I went back to Ireland uh, a few years ago, and we were staying with this couple in Ireland. And, you know, I don't know if you know much about Northern Ireland, but there's quite a big divide between the Protestant and the Catholic Church. You know, they don't, they, they don't get on. And we're staying with this Protestant couple, and they're a lovely couple. And then I noticed on the fridge they had a picture of the Pope. This is the Pope, Benedict. Uh, no, yes, it was Benedict. Joseph, no, was it Ratzinger? Anyway, it doesn't matter. Anyway, this Pope, and I was like, oh, it's amazing. Like, we're in Northern Ireland with this Protestant couple, but they're praying for the other side. You know, it's just such a beautiful thing to see people praying for unity and to praying for other people. And I was just really, really encouraged. We were just about to go to bed, and I said the couple were there, and it was on the fridge, and I looked at the lady, and I said, can I just say, I just think it's so wonderful that you have a picture of the Pope on your fridge and you're praying for him. And she said to me, that's not the Pope, that's my mum. <laughs> there is no coming back from that none basically your mum looks like this no 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 and <laughs> oh my goodness my friend Phil who was with me he just went good night and just walked you know, he was like out of there you know what I mean and I was just standing there like bum oh I'm really sorry I'm really sorry uh, oh you can't even go oh yeah but they look alike you can't there's nothing you can do is there there's, there's, and all I had to say was oh <laughs> he's wearing white she's wearing oh and you're just like anyway <laughs> sometimes we see what we want to see yeah sometimes we see what we want to see and I just think it's really important that we as the church see what's really happening in our world right now and that we can feel like we're discouraged, we can feel like we're under pressure or that the church is under the cosh and in some nations it isn't growing. But the church is growing. Right now the, the fastest growing church in the world is in Iran. It's, it's an amazing thing. There's a lot of beautiful things happening and we, we need to see with spiritual eyes. We need to be, as it says in uh, Chronicles, like the men of Issachar who understood the times. We need to understand the times that we're in. And actually, everywhere where I'm seeing the church grow, it comes out of turmoil and upheaval. And all of a sudden, the bride of Christ starts crying out to God in unity with others, with expectation and persistently, and something happens. And I would, I would like to pose to you that we are coming out of a time of upheaval. I don't have to be a prophet to tell you that. But I do think that the church is poised to see great things happen. 
But we won't see that happen unless we pray because there's a direct correlation between a praying church and a revival. There's a, the people who pray will see things happen. So for me, that's, that's the importance of us noticing what's happening. Don't look for the Pope when really it's someone's mum. Understand what's going on. So let's read a Bible verse together, Romans 12, verse 1 to 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. Uh, Eugene Peterson says, don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. And I'm interested these days to think about how culture is affecting the church. Now, when we used to read this Bible verse years ago about, you know, uh, living sacrifice, not conforming to the pattern of the world, it was kind of like, don't drink, don't smoke, don't play cards, or, you know, that's kind of, you know, that was really old school, don't, you know, all that kind of stuff. And that, all of that's good, you know, you've got to, we've got a moderation, all that kind of stuff. But really, what are the patterns of this world? And I think the patterns of this world are way more subtle. And they do creep into the church. I don't know about you, but years ago, before the internet, we never had like buttons on anything. I, when I post a photo on Instagram, I'm kind of like, did I get some like likes? You know? And we, but then we, you know, we also we kind of learned all of a sudden to judge. I we we have this program called Strictly Come Dancing. You don't have that, do you? You do. Oh my goodness. But like all of a sudden, I've become an expert on ballroom dancing. <laughs> Where did that? And I'm look, I'm watching it with Tracy, my wife, and I'm thinking he's not pointing his toe properly. <laughs> when did I become a ballroom dancing judge? When did that happen? You know. But what happens is we're all taught to judge, to the, to click like on a Facebook, to vote for things that we like. You do, and all of a sudden, if you're not careful, you realise that judgmentalism has crept into the church. And when James says mercy triumphs over judgment in the Bible, and all of a sudden, our, so this is the bit, this is where culture creeps in. And we, we become very judgmental. Just, and it's, it's subtle. Do you understand? It's a like. And it's a dis, I don't, we don't have dislike buttons. But, you know, it's a thumbs up, a thumbs down, or whatever it is. And culture creeps in. Uh, like materialism. Tell me that hasn't affected the church. Or consumerism. That's amazing, consumerism, isn't it? We all consume you are best defined as a contribution, not as a consumer. Okay, we're defined, to, we're, we're here to make a contribution, not to consume. Here's what consumerism's like. You go along to church, and, and I heard someone come up to me once and say, I didn't like the worship this morning. And you're like, good, we weren't worshipping you. <laughs> do, do you know what I mean? Because it, we, it's all of a sudden, we're kind of like, yeah, uh, it's, it's like, it's about me. You know, it's about my experience, and we've got to, re and it creeps in. So culture creeps in, and Paul says, "Do not be conformed to the patterns of this world." And so, for me today, I want to talk about a culture of immediacy as against the culture of perseverance. So, how do we develop the art of perseverance in a culture of immediacy? We live in a culture of immediacy, guys. I was on a plane to America last month. I was getting angry that the internet was slow on a plane. Like, forget the miracle of flight. Do you know what I mean? I was just a bit cross that the Wi-Fi was slow. 
It, it, you, you, we, we're, if my photos don't load quickly on my phone, I want to throw it against the wall. Not that I have anger issues. Do you know what I mean? But we're like, we get caught up in, if we, you know, in the old days, you used to have to get up to change a channel, didn't you? Does anyone remember that? few of us there, old school, had to get up and do something. Whereas now you don't, you just press a button. And then if you can't find your remote, you, just, you don't get up and do it. You just spend ages looking for your remote, don't you? It's the funniest thing. Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? And you're, like, you're almost like you've lost your arm or something, you know? It's like, but we do. We live in this kind of like immediate culture. If I want to order food, I can order it quickly. If I want to get an Uber, I can do it quickly. If I want to speak to my friend in Malaysia, I can speak to her quickly. It's, everything's quick, quick, quick. When my wife worked in Africa in the 80s, she had to write a letter. It took two weeks to get there. Now I FaceTime her from some sort of mountain in Cape Town, and it's just like we're there instantly. So we live in this immediate culture. And there's nothing the matter with it. I love the internet. I love all the, the, the advances in technology. But once again, culture creeps in. Culture creeps in. And so I want us to think today about the art of perseverance in a culture of immediacy. We, as a couple, my wife and I, we moved to Spain a number of years ago. And we worked, for, we worked as, we set up a thing for 24-7 prayer in Ibiza in Spain. And one of those things was that we, uh, whilst we were, in, we were out there, we, we gave out these beautiful little Bibles to people on the street as we prayed for them. They kind of like, they said, Jesus loves Ibiza on the front. And we used to give them to people. I remember I gave one to a bouncer outside a club. And he went, listen, mate, I've read your Bible. Uh, made a few changes. <laughs> and he gave me it back with loads of notes where you could change this. And I was like, yeah, I think, I'm not sure. <laughs> anyway, you know, or I had this, we gave one to this uh, lap dancer. She was like working late at night. And uh, she said, oh, I got home last night, Brian. I read Revelation. I said, why would you do that? She went, well, don't you always want to know how the book ends? You know, and she went, oh, it was really, really heavy. And it was, you know, but we had this. And then another guy said to me, oh, I read that bit in Corinthians. You know that bit about love? Fantastic. Ripped it out. Keep it in my pocket. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> so we used to give these out on the street. And, and I sometimes would wonder, is this really working? You know, is it? This was 2009 we started to do this. Is this really actually working? And then in two, so 2009, we're giving these Bibles out, praying with people, talking to them helping them, encouraging them. It was, by the way, we were in, in Ibiza, Spain. It had more pubs, clubs, and bars per anywhere else in the whole of the European continent, okay? The British press at the time had called it Sodom and Gomorrah. So we, we planted a work right in the middle of that. So it was kind of fun, interesting. I was going to say fun, but interesting is a better word. And so I used to always kind of think to myself as we prayed for people and gave out Bibles, is this working? Is this actually working? I used to remind myself of Isaiah 55 verse 10. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater. So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. And I had that verse just to remind myself to persevere. Keep doing it. Keep giving out. It's not your job to make it grow. It's your job to sow the seed. It's God's job to make it grow. Keep sowing the seed. Keep sowing the seed. Ten years later, I was standing in a field in England for an event called Big Church Day Out. There were 20,000 people in the field. And I found myself standing next to this guy in a field, as you do. And he looked a bit like... He had tattoos and all that. And I, because I, when I was young, I went to prison four times. So I always kind of think, yeah, I can get on with these kind of tough. I'm not really that anymore. Do you know what I mean? But I kind of fancy myself as a bit of a, like, I can have a chat with a rogue. Anyway, so he's there. And I went, I went, uh, 
hi mate, how you doing? He was like, yeah, I'm all right. I said, what are you doing here? And he went, oh, I'm like from a drugs rehabilitation centre. We're here to put up all the lights for this, this gig and all that. I said, that's amazing. I said to him, so, so tell me, how did you become a Christian? And he went, oh, I was in Ibiza 10 years ago and someone gave me a Bible. How amazing is that? And so we're talking like 10 years. And then it was like God gives you these little glimmers of like hope. Of you, it's important that we keep sowing, that we keep doing what we're doing. Some of us have felt like giving up or we've felt like what we've done hasn't worked. But you just do not know what's happening. You know, behind every history that is seen, there is always a secret history. Every history that's seen, there's always a secret history. I'll give you an example. When I went, my mum died when I was 11. I've got four brothers. At the time, I had three brothers. That's a longer story. But anyway, there's four of us. My mum died when I was 11. I, we had moved to England. My dad was a pastor. I didn't take it very well, as no one does. And I ended up, I got very involved with drugs, smoking a lot of weed, doing all that kind of stuff. I ended up, I became homeless, so I moved out of my house. I lived in a small car with a friend. Uh, I ended up, I went to prison four times for various offences. And all the time, my dad was praying. But it didn't look like it was working. Do you understand? It just didn't look like it was working. Here's a really interesting thing. The first time I went to prison, I walked into a cell, sat down. And you've got to remember, I grew up in a Christian home. And this guy, he's my, my cellmate, he goes, uh, I've just become a Christian. Do you know anything about God? I was like, oh, for goodness sake. I'm like, it's not even like you can get out of the room. You know what I mean? I was like, it was like my first cell group, I like to say. But uh, anyway, it was. Uh, and then I had like, I had this like, uh, they give you a, a solicitor because we didn't pay. For, you get a legal aid solicitor. So I get given this solicitor and, and she's chatting to me. Turns out she's a Christian. I'm like, oh my goodness. And then I get a probation officer to help me, you know, readjust. He's a Christian. So all of a sudden, and it's like, it's like God is haunting me. Do you know what I mean? Haunting me. And in fact, that's what you have to, when you're praying for someone who doesn't yet know Jesus, pray that prayer. God, haunt them. Haunt them. Do you know what I mean? So, and all the time, my dad must be thinking, Brian's in prison. Brian, this is crazy. I'm praying, nothing's happening. I'm praying, nothing's happening. And in fact, one day, in uh, one of the probation, I breached my bail. I, I, I had, this is all complex language, but I, it's not really. I, I had a few whiskeys, and I forgot to go back to my, at my, on my curfew. So I ended up having to go to prison. My probation officer came. They were, I was in a holding cell in, prison, in uh, the police station before I went to prison. He came in, he picked the Bible up, and as he was leaving, the last time I ever saw him, he threw a Bible at me. It hit me in the chest. And he went, you should read that, Brian. And then he walked. That's the last time I ever saw him. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, I don't know if it's in the probation officer book of how to help people. But it seemed, he just seemed angry. And I had this you know, Bible mark on my chest. And uh, <laughs> Not really, not really. And, and then and just and a couple of years later, I read the Bible. And I read, I was in a probation hostel in Ipswich. And I read a Bible. And I got to Isaiah 59. And it says in Isaiah 59, Surely the arm of the Lord is not too, say, too short to save, nor is his ear too dull to hear. And I had this picture that God, A, he listened, B, he could reach in and reach out and save me. And I gave my life to Jesus in that hand. And that's because a guy threw a Bible at me. Or it's also because a man called my father prayed for me nonstop. And he persevered even when he didn't see what was happening. We need to learn the art of perseverance in a culture of immediacy. Sometimes it's boring to keep praying. Sometimes it's challenging. Interestingly, my older brother at the same time, he had a whole issue and, you know, kind of slipped away and walked away from Jesus and was also struggling. 
And uh, in 2008 or something, he came back to the Lord. And I remember saying to my dad, Dad, it's really great what's happened to my brother, isn't it? He's come back to Jesus. And my, my dad said, yeah, I prayed for him every single day. Now, can I just say that was 30 years. If you're, I'm not going to make you stand up. But if you're under 30, could you put your hand up? Brilliant. Some people did that so proudly. <laughs> yes, all the 29-year-olds were like, that's me. I can put it down now. But what I'm going to tell you is he prayed for longer than you have been alive without seeing anything happen. He prayed for longer than you have been alive without seeing anything happen. And so we, and he, he persevered. We need to learn the art of perseverance in a culture of immediacy. Because as we persevere, we will see breakthrough. Uh, for our generation to survive and thrive, we do need to learn this. I think it's one of the pieces that maybe crept out of Christian culture, perseverance. Because we kind of want to go to mountaintop experiences. Do you know what I mean? We all want the goosebumps and the, you know, all of that. Oh, I feel great. It feels wonderful. It feels exciting. And of course we need that. But there's just sometimes you've just got to get your head down. You just got to keep going. Ask and keep asking. Knock and keep knocking. Seek and keep seeking, Jesus says. And see, what happens then is one person suddenly is another person's constantly. My brother gets saved. It's a suddenly moment. Boom. Ah, oh, I see the light. I'll give my life back to Jesus. That's his suddenly. It's my dad's constantly. It says in Romans 1, verse 8 to 10, First I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith has been reported all over the world. God whom I serve in my spirit in preaching the gospel of his son is my witness how constantly I remember you in my prayers. There's a Paul. Two Thessalonians. With this in mind, we constantly pray for you. Two Timothy. One to three. I thank God whom I serve as my ancestors did with a clear conscience. As day and night I constantly Remember you in my prayers. And really what you see is that all these constantlies, they lead to suddenlies. And we always celebrate the suddenly, don't we? We do. We and we should celebrate the suddenly. And can I just say that every time I pray, I pray for the suddenly. Do you understand? That's the faith bit. Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. So every time I pray, I'm praying, God, do it now. Do it today heal them now save them now but if it doesn't happen faith is also about I'm going to be faithful I'm going to keep going I'm going to be constant in my prayers and so we need this constantly uh, we were in Ibiza once again and we saw a friend who was who got saved he was a DJ he was into cocaine all of that kind of stuff we baptized him and we had all these beautiful photographs of the bat you know you baptize someone in the Mediterranean it's lovely it's like a Timothy advert, you know, when they come out and the water all goes like that. It's just, and it's glistening and all that. And we had all these beautiful photos. I think I must have fasted for about three days because I knew there'd be photos. I didn't want to look too chunky in the baptism shot. And anyway, I, these are the vain things that go through my mind. And so <laughs> everybody's like, oh, isn't it great what 24-7 prayer have done in beef and seeing, seeing my friend come to know Jesus. Do you know what? It's his mum who prayed for 36 years that her son would find Jesus. Her constantly became his suddenly. And my challenge to each one of us today is that we would learn to be the people of the constantly and to not give up. That means, of course, that we're going to have to spur one another on. We're going to have to say to each other, keep going, keep going, keep going. You're looking good. 
Keep going. You're looking good. Keep going. You know, it's the thing that we need to do to help one another push through constantly and suddenly. So how do we do that? Well, can I just say, quantity will always lead to quality. You've got to put in the hours, unfortunately. Quantity leads to quality. Here's how I know that. I, I have two sons. They're old now. When I was young, if I said, can we have a quality, can we do some quality time? You know, quality time. Let's sit down and have some, it never happened. Do you know what I mean? They always wanted to play Call of Duty or, they, you know, whatever they wanted to do, their thing. And not that they, they were rebellious or anything like that. Mildly at times, because I don't know where they got it from. But sometimes, you know when your kids are grumpy and miserable and they're obtuse and difficult and you kind of think, stop being like that. And then you realize you're looking at a mini version of yourself, you know. So anyway, so they they were like, can we have some quality time? It never really worked. And then I realized that what would work is quantity time. If I spent quantity time with them, there would be quality moments. You know, if I, if I washed the dishes with them every day, we had this deal where one, it, whoever cooks in the house doesn't do the dishes. Do you know what I mean? We didn't have a dishwasher either, so it was a bit more of a thing. And so if you, if, if you cook, you don't clean up. Everyone else cleans up. Take note, okay? It's a good thing. And so I would always stand with one of them every day for maybe 10 years doing the dishes. So quantity time. And I would have quality moments. Some days we would just talk about the abysmal form of Liverpool. Other day, and they were Man U supporters. Now it's, it's flipped slightly. But, you know, now, so we just chat about the normal mundane stuff. But then there'd be moments of quality because we put in the quantity. And I believe prayer is a little bit like that, that we put in the quantity and we see these moments of quality. Why is that? Well, God wants to teach us things. You know, when, when Jacob wrestled with the angel in Genesis, you, you, you understand that there's a whole thing there where he's wrestling with this angel and he gets a new name. You're no longer called Jacob. You're going to be called Israel. He, he gets a, a limp, so he walks differently. And so there's something that happens when we wrestle with God. He, he actually wants to do something deep in our identity. You can see the people that have spent time with Jesus because it affects their identity. And it also affects their walk. You notice that they're different. Every time you saw Jacob from that moment on, he walked with a limp. You know, you notice that he was different. So there's something important that we need to learn from perseverance. You know, I, I often wonder about the Bible verses that got deleted. Does anyone else think about that? Or is it just me? What got deleted? I reckon, right, there should be about 300 verses in the Bible. And Paul got up and made a tent and then went to bed. Do you know what I mean? should be in there. Here's another good Bible verse, I think. Peter went fishing. Nothing much happened. He went home, cooked the fish, and slept. No, seriously. Because what we live in a kind of highlights reel culture, don't we? And the Bible also is a highlights reel. There were so many days where nothing massive happened. They just plodded on, headed towards Rome, did what they were doing. And then they, because they're not going to put those bits in because they're boring. You know, uh, Luke, who told the book of Acts, he was a good storyteller. He wasn't going to do 300 verses on Paul making tents. If you want boring, go, go into the Old Testament. Sorry, not knocking the Old Testament, God, I love it. Uh, <laughs> but it's quite fast-paced. and so, But we forget these things, don't we? We forget that there were days where Peter just went fishing. It, it, and because we live in a highlights culture. It's like you look on someone's Instagram. If people look on my Instagram, they think I'm like traveling all over the world and all these great locations and all that kind of stuff. They don't see all the boring stuff because no one wants to see the boring stuff, do they? 
And that's what, I'm not saying Acts is like Instagram, by the way, but, but I'm just trying to give you, you know, we need to remember that there was a lot of constantly, constantly, constantly doing the same thing over and over again, the same time every day. Just pray, pray, pray. Perseverance requires repetition. <laughs> Perseverance requires repetition. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to, two things I wanted to challenge us with today as I finish. One is this. I'm going to ask you to, to I'm going to challenge you to start a list. Start a list of people you want to pray for. Write it down. I'll, I'm, I'm, I, I, hey, I'm going to do this. I don't do this to impress you. I only do this to teach you. Okay, so in my Bible, I have, ah, nearly lost my iPad. That's all good. Is it just embarrassing to watch how bad I am with tech? Right. I have a list. Just a list of people's names over the years. Actually, Jamie and Rachel, my friends, they're on this list and their children. I started writing it in 2016. I thought I'd start writing lists of people I pray for so that I can pray for them every day or every week. I've had the move to every week from every day, but start a list. You know, pop it in your Bible. I, I, I would recommend that you don't say, I'm going to pray for you every day. I would say, I'm going to pray for you every week. Because you're going to miss it sometimes, you know what I mean? And I, want, I got fed up, right? of saying to people, I'll pray for you. And then kind of when they were walking towards me in church, quickly saying a quick prayer in my head so that I was like being, so that I was being genuine. Oh yeah, I've been praying for you. <laughs> They're walking towards me, dear God, bless John, bless John, you know, heal him. And then he comes up and you're like, John, I've been praying for your healing. <laughs> I got a bit embarrassed by how shallow I had become. So I started to write a list. This is the easiest thing you could ever do. I mean, I've, got my, I've gone old school. Right, but you, there is technology out there to help you with lists, you know. But I just wanted—I just wondered who who would you put on your list right now? Who would you put on your list right now that you would want to see impacted, touched by Jesus? Who's on your heart? Second thing is this: I was really praying this morning, and I felt—I like properly praying, by the way. I. I <laughs> I felt that there's people in here and you've almost given up thinking, my husband's never going to come to Jesus. My son's never going to come back to Jesus. My daughter's in a mess and I can't see any way out. And I, I really felt that this morning, that there's probably a little bit of hopelessness here in the room. Not for all of us, just for some of us. And I just want you, I know this is a really weird thing to say, and I hear it in the spirit that said, I want you to look at me. And my dad never gave up. And here I am, a 54-year-old, slightly chunky, gray human who loves Jesus. Because people didn't give up on me. And they kept praying. And there is hope. There is hope. I never thought I'd be standing here in New Zealand chatting with you guys. Never. In a million years. But there is hope. Because people don't give up. And if you this morning have felt like giving up, or you're just at the end of your line. You're thinking, oh, I just don't know what to do anymore. I'd really want to, I want to, is it okay if I, I'm going to move. I'm going to keep going with this. I would love to pray for you. In fact, if it's you, so the list stuff, right, we can all do. You can go home and think, I'm going to do this. I'm going to start that. But if right now you feel, I, I just, I just can't see a way through. I want to pray a spirit of perseverance over you. And I want to pray that we will start to see some suddenly moments, but we're going to be a constantly people, 
We live for the suddenly moments, but we're going to be a constantly people. It says in Isaiah, I will give myself, we will give ourselves no rest, and we will give him no rest until he establishes Jerusalem and makes her the praise of the earth. This is my talk on prayer. It's this, we will give him no rest. Absolutely no rest. I will knock and I will keep knocking. Children of Israel, they knocked for 400 years. Some of them died and didn't even see the answer to their prayers. To understand, but they kept praying. They didn't give up. I'm going to be a person who lives for the suddenly, but I'm committed to the constantly. So if you're one of those people, I'm going to ask you to do something, and I don't want to embarrass you. I'm just going to ask you to stand, and I'm just going to pray. If you're someone who's been like, I need that. I felt like giving up. I can't see the breakthrough. I just want to ask you to stand. I'm going to pray for you right now, if that's okay. We don't need lots of fanfare or anything, do we? Yeah, it's beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I don't really care if we never do a 24-7 prayer room in all of New Zealand. I care that Jesus comes, touches people's lives, changes people's hearts. This is why we do what we do, because we believe he is the answer. So, Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters who are standing here right now. We pray for their families, those that are away from God, those that have never even met God. God, we pray for those right now who cannot see an end at the, you know, or light at the end of the tunnel. And I pray right now that you would imbue each one of these people with a spirit of perseverance. And God, we do commit ourselves to be the people of constantly, but I pray in the next weeks and months, we would see some suddenlies. God, I ask for breakthroughs. I ask for men and women to come back to you. I ask for those that have walked away, slipped away, that they would find you. For those that have never met you, that they would come and connect once more with you or for the first time with you. So Holy Spirit, right now, I pray that you would put a spirit of perseverance upon Bay Vineyard Church and all its members, that you would encourage each one of them to keep going. Lord, that we would continually knock on your door. We ask that you would establish your kingdom here in this region. You would establish your kingdom here in this nation, but that you would establish your kingdom in our loved ones, in our loved ones. Come, Lord Jesus, in Jesus' name.